Hello, friends. Welcome to the second episode of the Different Church Podcast. My name is Jarrett, and I want to sincerely say thank you for giving this a listen. This podcast serves two purposes. The main event is a Bible study slash sermon from our pastor, Hannah. Most of you are probably here to listen to that, and if you want to jump right to it, go ahead and fast forward to around 6 minutes and 40 seconds. The other purpose is to keep everyone up to date on all things Different Church. So, let's jump in. What is Different Church? If this is your first exposure to us, I just want to say welcome, and hopefully you like what you hear. Different Church started because several months ago, Hannah and myself asked ourselves this question. Does the world need another church? And we came up with the answer that no, it does not need another church. It needs a different church. And we have some really cool ways that we think we're going to do things differently than most churches. If you're interested in hearing about that, check out the first episode of the podcast. We go into some pretty good detail on all of the ways that we are going to try and be different. You can also just check out our website at diffchurch.com. Uh, there is a page there that goes over all that stuff. Um, and then, of course, you can follow us on social. We are Diff Church on Instagram. And on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash diffchurch. So you may be asking yourselves, where can I attend Diff Church? This sounds awesome. I want to go. You can't yet. We're not quite ready for you. We're still kind of building everything and getting uh, things up and running, figuring out who we're going to be, where we're going to be. We know the answer to where is somewhere in St. Pete and when is hopefully around uh, February of next year. The exact date is a little bit of a moving target because we have some hurdles we have to jump over uh, in regards to zoning issues and man, starting a church is complicated, you guys. <laughs> um, but the good news is we are um, going to be doing this podcast every other week. That's the best way to kind of keep in touch with us alongside the other stuff I already mentioned, uh, the social channels and um, things of that nature. Uh, so we are really excited about this podcast. We uh, would love it if you would subscribe on iTunes. Give us a rating. Um, if we get enough people who subscribe and uh, give ratings, we might actually have a chance to make it to the home page. And then once that happens, um, you know, who knows? Uh, tons of people could see what we're doing and this could become pretty popular. And we think that we deserve to be popular. <laughs> Uh, I should go backwards and take that out, but I don't think I'm going to. I'm going to restate that. We don't think we deserve to be popular. We just think that we have a really cool way of doing church, and uh, hopefully other people think so too. So um, we have been public knowledge for about a month or so, and in that time we have announced some uh, community projects that we are doing. We've already done the first one. Maybe you've seen some pictures. We went out to downtown St. Pete and passed out hangover kits. It was an awesome night. I think there was like 10 of us. Um, it was first Friday in St. Pete. It was crazy. There was tons of people out. And we had 300 hangover kits that included a bottle of water, a koozie with the Different Church logo on it, um, a granola bar, some Advil, uh, everything you need to feel better after a long night of partying. And honestly, the reception was really stinking cool. I loved it tonight. Um, we got so many people that just came up to us, gave us big hugs, which was awesome. We loved it. And I love that people knew that we were different. Uh, everybody had a great night tonight. It was great getting the story out and had a great time. 
so many people did not believe that it was free and I had to tell them over and over and over. I literally had to force people, take this water. But the ones who did believe that it was free took it and they were super grateful for us and for their hangover kids. People were super sketched out of me, but they took water from my wife, so that's cool. <laughs> I was surprised a lot of people actually took the water, so that was good. People were thirsting for something different and we delivered. It was an incredible time. I think it was a really cool way for us to introduce ourselves to the city. And uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm super glad we did it. And I'm really excited for our next project. Uh, on December 21st, we are going to be doing a laundry project. We're partnering with my buddy, Jason Sowell. Uh, you can go follow him on Instagram at Jason Sowell, S-O-W-E-L-L. -L. And he runs a nonprofit called Engaged Current. Um, the Instagram handle for that is Engage Current, and you can check out a website to kind of understand what they're about. It's laundrybycurrent.org. He does a number of things, but his main um, kind of initiative is they take over a laundromat for an entire day, and they do free laundry for anybody who shows up. Um, they turn it into this big event, and they kind of like hang out with the families, hang out with the kids, make sure everybody has a fun time and people get laundry done for free. So we're super excited to do that and we'd love for you to come and join us. It's one of the first things that we're gonna do that is kind of actually open to the public and not just the launch team. So if you're interested, shoot us an email at hello at diffchurch.com and we would love for you to come to our laundry project. One last thing I wanna tell you about before we jump into the meat of the podcast is we have different church shirts and pretty soon we're gonna have stickers as well if you want to buy any of that stuff, uh, what we are doing is just taking donations. You can go to diffchurch.com slash give, click on the give button, and then there's a drop down box and you just select um, different swag. And for shirts, we are asking a suggested donation of 25 bucks. I'm really happy with, uh, with how the shirts turned out. And I don't know how much we're going to charge for the stickers yet, but it'll probably be pretty cheap. All right, that's it. Let's jump into the meat of this podcast. Uh, we are calling it, my name is Rufus, and that's the Trufus, because Hannah let me name the podcast. I was I was uh, texting back and forth with her about what we should name it, and she said, and I quote, you're way better at naming things, smiley face. So I don't know if this is a good name or not. Uh, bonus points if anybody can tell me the reference and what it's from. Anyway... Here it is. My name is Rufus, and that's the Trufus. So thank you so much. First, before we jump into anything, I just want to give a huge thank you and a virtual internet hug to everybody who has listened to our first podcast, who has supported us so far in this endeavor of planting an entirely different type of church. And it has just been amazing. And we are so grateful. We can't thank you enough. And I'm so excited to see what the future holds. So this podcast episode, episode two, we are going to discuss a question or two questions perhaps that seem to always come up and they to me are at the foundation of everything related to theology, related to faith, especially in the Christian sphere. These two questions are, what is truth and what is the Bible slash how should we approach the Bible. Now, truth, truth is a funny thing because we generally, when we say truth, what we mean is 
that we want something to be factually true. And it's difficult to apply these categories to the Bible because for some things, there's no way of proving that it's factually true. For some things, there is evidence against it. And for other topics in the Bible, (laughs) there's just, there may be some things that are completely true and there's a lot of historical evidence. So let's discuss truth first as a concept, and then we're going to discuss how this even relates to the Bible and faith and why should we even care. So there's three types of truth. Now, generally, the type of truth that we refer to is truth as fact. And what we mean by that is things that are factually true. And this is generally the category that we apply to the Bible. Um, We apply it in our relationships. We apply it to um, news articles, etc. We just want to know whether something is factually true or not. It says on this paper that the sky is blue. Is that true or is that a lie? And truth as fact is very helpful category. (laughs) Um, It informs a lot of our decisions. So if I say that I have a gray and blue backpack and someone looking at me holding my backpack can see that it's a, in fact a red backpack, then they will know that I'm not a truthful person, that I'm lying about this. And then that makes them question my integrity. It makes them question whether or not they can trust me in any other, any other things in my life. So truth as fact is very important. And we have seen this especially in the media over the last few years, maybe even longer than the last few years, but certainly it has risen to the forefront of people questioning everything that the news puts out. Is it true? Is it factually true? Can you prove it? Um, There are entire professions dedicated to (laughs) fact-checking. And um, I certainly, that would be the worst job in my opinion. (laughs) I know some people really, really love to check facts and do research, and I, I would rather do almost anything else. But That's our first category of truth. And generally, when we approach the Bible, we say either the entire thing is factually true or we have to throw the entire thing out and none of it's true. And we don't know what we why we're even bothering to believe in this book or give it any authority in our lives. So that's type of truth. Number one type of truth. Number two is truth as meaning. So. Think in terms of, if I say my backpack is gray and blue, that is a fact, which can be proven true or false. But if I say this backpack supported a local community of women who handmade these, and the reason that I bought this backpack is because I wanted to support them financially. I wanted to support their quest for independence and financial stability through their handmade items. I value their work. And that's why I bought this backpack. Now, (laughs) the question is, how do you know if what I'm saying is true or not? I could have just bought the backpack because I liked it. Or I could have bought the backpack and hated it, but I did buy it because I wanted to support this community that was making it. Now, this is a really silly example, so we're not going to carry the backpack illustration with us for the rest of the podcast, but just think in terms of truth as meaning. So meaning is difficult to question. I mean, you can even think of simple phrases, like if I say, oh, I'm sorry, then maybe you take the meaning behind that is I'm apologizing for an action that I made. Or if I say, "Mm, sorry, then I'm being sarcastic and you know that I'm not really meaning that I apologize for an action. I'm 
putting the blame back on the other person. I'm invalidating their feelings, etc. So truth as meaning is a much more tricky thing to prove true or false in the terms of truth number one, which is factually true or not. And we all carry this deep sense that truth as meaning is something that impacts every part of our life. Um, it impacts our relationships. It impacts our faith. It impacts our jobs, our workplaces, our friendships. Everything is impacted by truth as meaning because you can't have a relationship where you love someone without meaning. You can't even have a relationship with your while you, where you're indifferent to someone or you have strong feelings against them without meaning. So that is type of truth number two. The type of truth that we have for number three is truth as wisdom. And wisdom is an even harder category of truth to nail down because wisdom is what informs you when you're making decisions, when you're saying things out loud to people, when you are in situations, when you are in relationships. Wisdom is what informs you and it may inform you differently in two exactly identical situations because of the context. So it, you may, if two people do something, the exact same thing to you, and normally one of them is harmful, like, for example, let's say your partner, your spouse in life, they do something that harms you as an individual, or a random stranger that you've never met <laughs> does something that harms you, which one are you more likely to forgive? How is your reaction going to be in that situation? And this is where we have to think of truth as wisdom because wisdom changes depending on the situation. It changes depending on your age. It changes depending on your situation in life. Uh, I <laughs> believed a good deal of things when I was in college that now I understand they were good and they were wonderful beliefs, but now I have more life experience to back it up. And I know that I would, if presented with the same situation, I wouldn't answer the same way because I've grown as a person. And that's what wisdom is. Now, when we're talking about the Bible, the issue that we run into is we get hung up on the first category, whether or not every word in the pages is factually true. And I think that that's a good place to start um, determining and having interrogating, questioning the scriptures. That's not a sign of disrespect. It's not if you've ever been in a place where your questions were ignored or your questions were looked down upon even, or sometimes in some situations they are violently rejected there's no room for questions in certain faith communities. And it can be really, really difficult to interrogate the Bible. But interrogating the Bible, questioning the Bible, historical criticism, textual criticism, um, all of the ways in which we attempt to rebuild the world that the Bible was created in and attempt to understand what was happening then, what these writers were saying that is something to me and perhaps this is your experience too it we are doing this as people of faith because we respect the bible not because we want to destroy it so i think it is completely disrespectful of the bible to take genesis 1 1 and say in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth and to just accept the first thing that pops into my head in relation to the meaning of that verse. So if I say God created the heavens and the earth in the beginning, that's what happened. Okay, 
wonderful. But what image just popped into my head? So (laughs) I would say if I think about the universe, if I think the heavens and the earth, if that means the universe and the earth under my feet, I have an actual picture of what that looks like. It's the picture of the sky from from a satellite, like I can see the globe, the blue globe with clouds on top of it. I can see the Milky Way galaxy in my mind. Um, I have this image of what the heavens and the earth look like. But the problem is that image has not been around for very long. A <laughs> hundred years, less, less than a hundred years now. So what image would the people who first reading this verse or the people even at the time of Jesus, what image would they have had in their mind? Certainly not the image that I have (laughs) because that image wasn't available to them. We hadn't sent anyone to space yet. We didn't have cameras at the time the Bible was written. It's impossible for them to have the same image in their head as I have when I say, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I am thinking universally. I think I think of the infinite expanse of the universe. I think black holes. I think the earth. I think this particular earth that I'm walking on. And yet, (laughs) that is just a category that I am applying to this scripture. So we all approach the Bible with presuppositions. We all approach the Bible with our own context and our own culture. And that's not a bad thing. We we can never escape the place and the time that we live. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but what we have to do is be aware of that. So when I think, okay, that's the image I had in my mind. What in the world would the image of these people who had never been to space, what would their image be? Well, based on the scriptures and based on his history that we have from that time period, we basically have uh, that the heavens were what's up there and the earth were what's down here. (laughs) So, and there was this idea that the sky was kind of a dome. So there was a dome, almost like a glass or some some type of dome keeping the sky up. There was something holding the sky up so that it didn't come crashing down and kill everyone. And then of course the earth was down below. So they were living in this bubble and essentially that was holding the sky up. So when we say in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, what that verse really translates to for a people reading it at that time would be like a long, long time ago. (laughs) Um, If you've ever listened to a fairy tale as a child, a long, long time ago in a land far, far away, or if you're an adult and you're a little bit nerdy like me, you can say a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away and make a Star Wars reference. That's essentially what it's saying. In the beginning doesn't necessarily refer to a fixed point in time. It can just be a long, long time ago, before we had record of this, before we knew, before we were here, before we had any idea what happened. A long time ago, God created what's up there and what's down here. And when we think about that, that really makes sense. At least to me, that makes sense as the beginning of the Bible because it's a different category. So wisdom asks the question, what would these people have understood about God? So what did God creating what's up there and what's down here at the beginning, what did that mean to them? Why was that there? Why was it, why do we still have this phrase? Why was it so important that it be preserved? Not whether or not it was factually true. Now, the problem is when we approach scripture this way, the instant reaction is how, 
if it's not factually true in every aspect, how can we trust anything that the Bible says? And I just want to make clear, because I know sometimes this makes people uncomfortable, and certainly for me, it's been a long journey in my life (laughs) of coming to terms with what the Bible is, and I'm sure I'm not still there. I do research. um, I do... I listen to podcasts, I read books, and there are things that I come across and they make me uncomfortable. And I say, no, I've never thought about that before. I don't like it. It's touching on something that I hold dear. And I don't like that there's another opinion on that. I don't like that there's another perspective. And of course, my first instinct is to shut down the conversation and say, no, you're wrong. I won't hear you out. But of course, that's not a helpful way to have an interpersonal dialogue with anybody. But I don't think it's helpful to the scripture either to say, no, I'm not going to have this conversation. So I think it's important to hold intention the fact that we don't know what exactly happened in many areas of scripture. All we have is this written record, which may or may not be at some points historically accurate. At some points, it certainly is, and it's provable. And at some points, the historical record disagrees. And at some points, such as Genesis 1-1, we have nothing that can go for or against this. So the question is not whether you have enough faith to believe that God can actually create something out of nothing. I think, of course, we have that faith. And if you are a person of faith, that's not really a question. If God exists, then of course God has the ability to create something out of nothing. And we believe that that's what God did. However, what did it, is Genesis 1-1 telling us that at a fixed point in time, God created the Milky Way and the universe, etc.? So these are difficult questions. And actually, I know this might be upsetting, but I'm not here to give you an answer to that question. I am here to ask you to think critically about your faith and the Bible and the ways that we engage in it and not to shy away from the difficult questions. There are so many questions that we will never be able to answer, but it doesn't mean that we can't pursue knowledge. We can't pursue wisdom. And in pursuing wisdom, we are actually pursuing truth. And this is a biblical concept. If you look at Proverbs, if you look at uh, Psalms, there's, there's so many instances where wisdom is the process by which we grow in faith as we grow in wisdom and even jesus in the new testament it says he grew in wisdom and knowledge he became a a more wise person um, and able to respond to different circumstances that arose in his life and that's what we're pursuing and that is definitely something that the bible gives us the ability to do. The Bible is our guide to pursuing wisdom. And it can seem like it's not a guide at all. (laughs) And also, we have this kind of ridiculous, in my opinion, um, we have these ridiculous phrases such as the Bible is a roadmap to life, or the Bible is a guidebook to living as a Christian. Well, okay, certainly that could be said of some parts of the Bible. But if you take the entire Bible as a whole, it simply can't be viewed as a guidebook because there are some truly terrifying things in there, which certainly you would not want to guide your life. Um, There's all kinds of things in the Old Testament and in the New Testament where you would read them and say, actually, I don't really understand how this applies to my life. I don't understand how the stories of genocide apply to my life. I don't understand how all these laws in the Old Testament apply. I certainly don't understand 
how the Sabbath applies to my life, even in the New Testament. And there's all of these things. And also who reads a guidebook, <laughs> unless you're going on a trip. Um, but the Bible is not a, a user manual. Let's take a quick break and hear from one of the members of our launch team, Rich. Rich, tell us, why does the world need a different church? The world needs a different church because a lot of us have been hurt by the church. The world needs a different church because so many want nothing to do with God because of the way they were treated by the church. We need a different church because Jesus was different. Different Church is a community of questioners committed to faith in Jesus, love for our neighbor, and inclusion for all. Thank you so much for that, Rich. Let's get back to Hannah. The Bible is a collection, a library of the story of God's people. And if you don't hear anything else that I say in this podcast, this is what I want you to take away, that God lets his children tell the story of faith. So God is not dictating word for word, syllable by syllable from on high, exactly what it means to be a person of faith. And he, God is not dictating who God is exactly the way that God wants to be understood. And it would be so much easier, perhaps, <laughs> if that was the case, but it's simply not. Because at certain points in history, at certain points in our own lives, we're not ready for the reality of what's what God is actually doing in our lives and what God is actually doing in the world. So God is committed fully to letting his children tell the story. And not just the story of humanity, letting God's children tell God's story. Because if we go back to the Genesis example, it would have made no sense for someone in that culture, in that context, to think of God as a person who would have been crucified on a cross. And if you fast forward 2,000 years ago, when Jesus came in an actual physical form and died on a cross, we... There were plenty, plenty, the majority, I would say, of people who did not, could not accept that version of God either. So there's this progressive revelation. There's this understanding that God is working through humans, with humans, cooperating with humans, and bringing them to an understanding of what and who God is. And we would like it to just be laid out black and white. <laughs> this is Thus saith the Lord, this is who I am, and y'all are all getting it wrong, so you better shape up. But it doesn't really work that way. And that's not how language works either, and it's certainly not how humans work. Even if we, we just say, oh, I want it just to be simple. I want the Bible to tell me what to do. I want God to tell me what to do. Well, if you take even the simplest commandments in the Bible, let's say the Ten Commandments, let's say honor the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Well, that's a pretty clear commandment. Have a day of rest. Yes. But the problem is what constitutes work? So we, we say, God, I want you to make it as clear as possible. And God says, okay, here you go. Honor the Sabbath day. Make sure it's holy. I want you to have one day a week that's holy and where you rest. And we go, okay, I don't know what that means. <laughs> we got the one day a week part. But do you mean a literal 24-hour period? Is it sun up to sundown? Is it sundown the night before until sundown the following evening? What constitutes work? How many steps can I take? Can I go to a job? What if my family needs the money or they're not going to be able to 
we're not going to be able to pay our bills. What if my ox falls in a pit? (laughs) Of course, we don't have to worry about that anymore. But these are all these questions that come back. Even thou shalt not kill. That's a pretty clear commandment. But the question then in the rest of scripture is, okay, it says I shouldn't kill. But what if I do? What if someone's attacking my family? What if someone's attacking my country? What if, what if, what if is the problem? And even the most explicit commands are can be really difficult to determine what is the truest, what is the best, and what is the most wise course of action. And this is where we come back around to truth as wisdom. So it's much better for us to approach truth as wisdom than truth as facts, even though truth can encompass facts. But it's so much bigger than that. And the Bible is the story of God told from the perspective of God's children. And of course, that means that we have to accept that sometimes we've gotten it wrong. And it means that we give some parts of the Bible greater weight than other parts of the Bible. And this is not, it may sound like that's a controversial statement, but it's really not because in every church, at least in America, um, the in every Christian church, I should say, the New Testament is given far more weight than the Old Testament. In every seminary, most people, unless you have a specific track for Old Testament studies, you you study the New Testament. Um, that is the book for the Christ follower, which is totally fine. However, <laughs> it's just important for us to notice that we're already doing this. We already give more weight to the stories about Jesus than we do to the story about King Ahab in the Old Testament. We already give more weight to Paul's writings in the fledgling early community of the church than we do to the laws in Leviticus in the Hebrew scriptures. So this isn't something that we are doing as a as we're trying to be disrespectful to the scriptures. We're trying to evaluate what we know about God and what we know about the Bible and what's in the Bible and the cultural context. And we're trying to put this all together to get the truest picture of God that we possibly can. And I would say that we are so lucky and so blessed because we live in a time where we have Jesus as the truest example of what God is. So we are not wondering like the writers of the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, we're not wondering like the prophets, what does God really look like? Does God really want us to go to war with this country or does God want mercy? We don't know. But then we have Jesus and we have a much clearer picture. Now, of course, we're going to continue to strive and struggle to get a clearer picture until we meet God in an afterlife or we meet God and this world is redeemed. And we we want to continue the journey because the journey is wisdom. And the question that we should be asking, and this is kind of what I want to leave you with, is when you're approaching the Bible, ask, instead of saying, is this factually true? Which is a good question, but perhaps it's not the first question that we should be asking. The first question that we should ask of the Bible and of a text is why was this written and why has it endured? Why was it preserved? Why was the book of Numbers written? And why do we still have it? What about this book was so compelling? What about this book tells some tells us something of a people group that we don't really understand because they existed thousands of years ago? 
What about the Psalms is so important that they were preserved and that they are still in existence today and they are still regarded as holy and um, a guide in our faith journey? Why was this written and why was it preserved? And if you start there, the question of facts will come secondarily to that. You will say, why was this Psalm written? And the question of fact will then rise, who wrote this Psalm? Was it David? Was it someone else? Um, Once we find out who wrote the psalm, if it's possible to find that out, then we can understand more about the historical context that that psalm, that poem was written in. And it just opens up a magnitude of information, a magnitude of worlds to us that inform our understanding of the scripture and actually connect us deeper to God. So there's a scripture in the New Testament that says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And then of course, the second commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. But I wanna pause on the first one for a moment because it says, love the Lord your God with your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And sometimes we check our minds at the door when we enter into a faith community. And I don't think that that's actually honoring of our faith. It's not honoring of the mental capacity that God has given us. And it's not honoring of our own faith journey we should be asking questions. There should be things in the Bible that you read and they make you uncomfortable, not because it's calling out a specific sin in your life, although perhaps that is the case, but there should be things that cause you to question, why is this here? How could this be true of God's people? And when we start asking these kinds of questions and we have conversation in community with each other, and that is the key, nobody needs to do this by themselves. (laughs) That's where we get some crazy theological ideas is doing theology all alone by ourselves with no context. So we have to be together. We have to do theology together and we have to dedicate our minds to this study. And it's because we respect the Bible. It is because it's we give the Bible such great authority in our lives. It's because we give the Bible such great influence over our actions, over our thoughts, over our lifestyle, over everything in our lives, the Bible could have potentially something to say about. And indeed in the New Testament, it says that God desires our whole lives. So because we give the Bible that much authority, It is prudent and I would say crucial and necessary for us to be able to engage mentally, intellectually with the Bible and determine what truth is. Because we can all think of, I'm sure, if you just reflect on history over the last several centuries, think of instances where the Bible has been used to deny dignity and personhood, to people, groups of people, entire ethnicities, entire cultures that have been suppressed and oppressed and harmed deeply. And the scripture was on the wrong side of the line, if that makes sense. Because the Bible has such authority, we must engage with it seriously. We must engage with it, not just on a truth as fact level, but on a truth as wisdom level, on a truth as meaning level. We must engage with it historically. We must engage with it, of course, intellectually. We think about the context, but we also have to engage it in community with each other. We have to listen to voices that don't sound like ours and their readings of scripture. And we have to listen to it emotionally as well. Um, 
And through all of this, this is how we grow in wisdom and grow in faith. Wisdom is not something that you can just find with no effort on your part. And I will say this, I mean, I'm not, I'm like, I'm not that old. (laughs) So I'm sure that in another 30 years, I'm going to look back on my time right now and say, I had so much to learn. Oh, I wish I had known that then. And of course, that's the process of life. But we all are engaging in this struggle to find wisdom and to walk the path of faith with each other and with the Spirit of God helping us. And I just, I don't know who needs to say this, and I'm sure I'll say it many times as our podcast episodes progress, but if you have doubts, if you have questions, if you're uncertain, if you feel like this whole thing is a fairy tale, if you feel incredulous, (laughs) if this doesn't seem to make sense to you, and even though you've grown up in it, or perhaps you haven't, but especially if you've grown up and you've believed certain things that you are now questioning, I would invite you to lean in and don't be afraid that your faith will crumble. Be convinced that God is also in the doubt, that God is also in the void, that God is also in despair and depression and anxiety, that those are places where you can meet God too. It does not have to be a a mental ascent to a list of things you learned about when you were young. That is not faith. (laughs) That is saying, that's signing a paper saying, I believe something. But faith is wisdom in situations, is learning how to communicate with God. It's learning how to engage with the Bible. It's learning how to engage with other people and to be loving and serve each other and put others first and take care of yourself and honor your friends and honor your own self and honor your family and do all of this because you respect and want to engage with God. Doubt is not your enemy. Doubt can be the catalyst to push you towards God faster than anything else. We just have to be open to meeting God in that space. And of course, if you don't have any doubts, (laughs) that's totally wonderful. Um, I have certainly been in places where I have not had any doubt, but that's not how life continues to work on an ongoing basis. So there will eventually be a time when you run into something where you have a doubt. And I just invite you to engage with the Bible and engage with God and engage with truth and meet God there too. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, uh, we would be honored if you would subscribe to the podcast and uh, give us a rating. Let us know what you really like about what we're doing. Also, don't forget to check us out at diffchurch.com and follow us on Instagram at diffchurch or facebook.com slash diffchurch.